Happy Mother's Day. Boy, that was weak. Happy Mother's Day. And those of you who are listening in or watching online, you can say the same thing so loud that the neighbors can hear it too. It's a good thing, right? So, so uh, we, we are here and we wanted also, I was thinking about this dedication here. We want to dedicate our lives as a church to these kids, yes? Uh, <laughs> you can do way better than that. Hello, come on. We really, this needs to be a greenhouse for the kids to grow up and find Jesus and walk with him and be strengthened in him. There you go. There you go. I think that is exactly what we want to be. I remember, you know, you don't remember too much from your really young years. But one of the few things I remember was I was sitting in a pew just kind of like this and, and looking over and thinking my dad was a preacher. And I was thinking if something happened to mom and dad, these are the folks that take care of me. That's it. And, you know, multi-generational church, the power is that we can have a little two-year-old, uh, two-year-old uh, run up an island, jump in the lap of a 90-year-old. Is that not what we want, really? That kind of love and warmth and, and, and generosity from, from all generations that we can just be together. There's something about this being Mother's Day. And I want to talk today about love. And, and if we're going to define love, what better way of defining it by simply one little attitude we call motherly love. Yes? Motherly love, we just kind of get it in, in that way. And so I want everyone here to tell your grandma or great-grandma or mom or, or favorite Sunday school teacher or someone that functioned as a mom in your life or, or someone that should have been the mom in your life or whatever, you know, someone that you're thinking about, maybe your favorite school teacher, maybe all of them together. If you don't see them face-to-face, if you do, look them straight in the eyes and say, I'm so blessed by having you in my life. And if you can, can say it by verbaling, uh, verbalizing it on a phone call, call them. Don't just do, s- call them. And if you can't do that, send them a note and say that. It is so, so important. If you have your Bible, if you will turn to First Peter, it's kind of toward the end. If you get all the way to the letters of John, you just back up a little bit. But if you're in Hebrews, you kind of go forward a little bit. That's as quick as I can say how to find that. We want to talk about rejuvenating love this morning. And you know, to rejuvenate something is that you make it young and fresh again, right? That you bring new energy and power to it. And I think Peter is going to talk to us about this very thing. This is a very special kind of uh, set of verses here beginning in in verse 22 in the first chapter of the first letter Peter wrote, uh, the great fisherman, if you will, the disciple of Jesus. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. All flesh is like grass and all its glory like flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord 
endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was pronounced and proclaimed to you. You know, Beatles taught us decades ago that all you need is, hey, you're good. That's it. Well, they may have had other things in mind that I want to say this morning. There is something very important about highlighting love. You know, everything is changed by that word, right? So we have all kinds of great stories out there, but there's a special category. It's the best of them all. They are the love stories, right? There are great songs out there, lots of great songs, but the best of them are those that belong in the category called love songs. Yes, there's, there's all kinds of languages out there. I can speak a few of them, but the most important one for me to learn is the love language of my wife and my children and my greater family and all of you, right? Yes, we, we do that. And then it is such a broad, major concept that we can't just say love. So we have to add these other kind of modifiers that helps us understand what we're talking about in particular. So we use, we use adjectives like, like young love, like tender love, like, like passionate love, like blind love, uh, like Romantic love, just keep thinking about this. Tough love even, yes? We know when we put these different modifiers on it, we say we are specifically focusing on a certain aspect of this powerful, powerful word called love. And of course, maybe the most defining word of them all would be motherly love, as we have already talked about that. Uh, it's a strange thing. I don't know if you've thought about that. If you walk into a, a bookstore, go on Amazon, or, you know, open any kind of magazine, there are all kinds of books, just like thousands of titles that has to do with, you know, how to rejuvenate or strengthen your love life. We, we, there's so much of this out there. We must be the best lovers ever in all generations, right? I mean, there's certainly enough advice out there for us to be so, it seems like at least. The New Testament is in that very vein. Not only is it the greatest love story ever told from beginning to end, uh, it is also a, a book that teaches us what it means truly to love and what love is all about. And, and, and so here we are, we're looking at this New Testament and there's something in common with all of the, these things. We may even say that the three great apostles here, if you will, this is the very point where they sing or speak in unison. Many places they will, sp- they will sing or speak with, in harmony, right? They're saying things from different angles with different kind of emphases. But here they speak in unison. Very clear. Peter, Paul... And John, different temperaments, different types of personality, but they all tell the same story that the central mark, that, that kind of stamp of genuineness, if you will, comes in the Christian life from showing love. In fact, the proof that you are a Christian is that you Love. Have you ever thought of that? Jesus says it's just like this. This is how you know. How you know what? That you are my disciples. How do I know that? That you love. This is how you know that you 
love. Just think of that for a moment. So when you look at this text, and I'm just going to walk through this here, uh, almost like verse by verse in a little bit, and and in somewhat of a quick uh, way. But look at it. There's so much richness here. And, And you see, he begins with this kind of a call or charge to rejuvenate your love life. If there's anything we know and we need these days, what is that to rejuvenate our love life? And so we get it right here. And Jesus is joining Jesus' message with the words that we just read here. Uh, Have sincere brotherly love for one another. Think of that. Have sincerely brotherly love for one another. I wonder if, if you have it like I have it. There are certain things that we remember intuitive. It, it comes to us. Someone says something at a pivotal moment, that, that strong moment, and we can't ever forget it because it was said in that particular moment here. You know, at the Last Supper, that Thursday evening, the last Thursday night before Jesus was crucified, he pulled his disciples aside and he says, this is what you should be all about. You must love one another. In fact, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just like, just like I have loved you. And these words were like chiseled into Peter's mind so that he could not let go of it. It was that what he heard it the first time and it came out every time he spoke. And we'll get back to that again and again. This could not, must not ever be forgiven. And Paul, of course, says the same thing when he's trying to summarize. And he says, all the law, all the regulation, all the rules... All the words of God, all the whole story, everything you've heard from the prophets and from, from everyone, they can be summarized in this. Love. The very goal of it all, Paul says, is to have love of a pure heart. You can look it up in First Timothy uh, if, if you're not sure I'm speaking the truth. But this is how he summarizes it. If you take the essence and distill it down to its, its true Bottom line point, it is love from a pure heart. And, and of course, John, uh, the beloved apostle, uh, is also the one who is called, actually, not only the beloved apostle, but the apostle of love. He says in his letter to the churches, he says, the very proof that you have moved from death to life is that you love your brothers and sisters. It's hard to emphasize anything stronger than this. And this, in fact, has gotten such a strong place in Peter that in every chapter you have in this letter, it is highlighted. Just like this. Let me just walk through. You can flip with me if you have your Bible. If, if not, just, just trust what I'm saying here, right? That we already read about it in, in chapter one. I flip a page. You go to chapter two and it's the exact same thing. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters and fear God. 
And then in chapter 3, love one another and be compassionate and humble. And then in chapter 4, above all, maintain a constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sin. And you can just go on and, and just see how this permeate everything. It comes up again as the central piece. On a Mother's Day like this, what could be more important, friends, than to be reminded of that very theme? There's a special quality that belongs to the Christian understanding of love. Because that, that is a different kind of love. It has a different origin. It has a different focus and expression. And it has a different kind of quality and character, if you will, when you look at it. And just go back if you have your Bible. If not, you, uh, trust me when I read this here. When, when Peter begins and he says, have a show sincere brotherly love for one another. Not everybody's Greek scholars, but you really don't have to be a Greek scholar to know this word. I think everybody knows that word. Brotherly love, the word is Philadelphia. Philadelphia, love your brothers. In fact, that word uh, that we use for brother uh, Adelphos or sister Adelphos, same thing, right? It speaks to those who come from the same womb, those who have, have grown in the same womb, so to speak. And when you look at that, and when you start thinking about this, you'll see that he's pointing to a special love that we have for those who have grown in the same spiritual womb. What, what he's doing is, is that he's taking this word that is well known from around that you love, a special love that you have for those who come out of the same womb that you came out of, a very kind of special love. And then the New Testament baptizes that word, if you will, and lifts it up or raises it up to a different level and says the same is true on the spiritual level. Just like on the physical level, we know that there's a special love with those who have, have come out of the same womb. The same is true on the spiritual level. Those who have come from the same faith womb that was made possible by the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Same heavenly Father. Surely we are commanded to love everybody. The Bible is full of, of emphases on that, that we are called to have a special kind of concern and care for everyone's physical and spiritual needs. But there is a special emphasis, friends. I kind of want to highlight that. Because it runs for families and it runs for, for, for Christian churches and especially true here for all that put together. The New Testament is clear that there is a special kind of love that you have for those who are your brothers and sisters in the faith. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The Christian love is not just uh, special because it, it comes from from a different kind of origin. It is birthed by God himself, if you will. But also in the way it functions, in the way it expresses itself, its focus. 
If you see that word right here, have sincere love for each other. It's a one another kind of love. There's no such thing as, as spiritual hermits, if you will, uh, among Christians. There's no such thing as soloists when it comes to love in the Christian church. Christian love is what binds us together in a common unity of faith. Can I say that a little bit quicker? In a common unity, in a community of faith. That's how these things are connected. Christian families, same way. Carried by a different spirit. Carried by a different origin and by a different character. You know, the ancient world was somewhat flabbergasted when they saw what they saw. The, the ancient Greeks had always had it as their goal to kind of create uh, this, this society where people loved one another. In fact, Alexander the Great said that I want to build an empire where everyone is like drinking from the same cup of love. But the only thing he ever did really was to sow the seed for a new world war. They were so enticed by that notion that they, they called great city for Philadelphia, one of the, the uh, emperors or, or the, the rulers of the Greek kind of a version of, of Egypt after the, the fall of, of the Egyptian pharaohs like that was called Philadelphos, the one who was loving his brothers. But the Greeks never could quite live up to that and they marveled they were what's a good Texas word for this befuddled dumbfounded some there's other Texas words for that I can't even remember them all that when they saw the Christian church how was it that all around the Greco-Roman Empire, they would see these groups and, and they saw uh, servants and masters and, and, and uh, the poor and rich and non-Jews and Jews and Greeks and barbarians and males and females all together in this Philadelphia. Sibling love, if you will. Together as one. There's a certain quality that, that comes with this that, that is just unspeakably different from what we see around the world. The, Jew, the Romans hated it. Some of their famous authors were writing about uh, the early church and they said, hey, look how they love one another. My take on that is you got it made if even your enemies are accusing you of loving one another too much. Yes? Just powerful when you start thinking about it. That quality that is there, it's sincerity and it's constancy, right? And, and so I wanted to talk about that just for a few seconds here and look here at those words because they're powerful words that we can miss the content of when we just see whatever single word that has been chosen in English. So it begins again, you have sincere brotherly love. The word here speaks about genuineness. In fact, 
If you look at the Greek word, and I'm not trying to do Greek here this morning, but it is so powerful. That word means non-hypocritical. It points exactly to that which is not hollow, which is not superficial, that which is genuine and real to the core. That, that pretense kind of love where we just put on a plastic smile and we shook a hand, shake a hand and we're all good and then we turn around and, and there's nothing actually to it. It's a little bit what, what James talks about and I'm just flipping one page back here and looking at, at, uh, James chapter, chapter two. And he says here, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lack food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? It's another way of saying, is that not just pretends love? Is that not exactly hypocritical love? The very thing here that Peter says, let your love be non-hypocritical. And then he goes on with a word that is almost more powerful. You look here at, at the next word. Here it is translated in my translation right here. Love one another constantly. The word could just as well be translated fervently. Or from the heart. In the deepest way. It's, it's one of these words that, that expresses energy and power and, and vehemence and consistency. It is so strong. The intensity is seen in the way it will not give up in the pursuit of its goal. The Christian church that is recognized here uh, is this, that is, excuse me, the Christian church is recognized by its persistent love. The love that will not give up. That word is that same word I was preaching a few weeks ago right here, talking about Peter who was released from prison. And while he was in prison, it says about the church that they gathered in Mary's house and they praised and they prayed without ceasing. Same word that is used right here, constantly, fervently. It's also the same word that is used when, when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says about him that he prayed even more fervently. Same word that is right here. Love without ceasing. Love fervently. That's an energy and a power that comes with this. And so how do we apply this? How do you even think of this? Well, maybe in the quick example would be if you, when someone stepped you on your toes, or say a word that was not the kindest word you ever heard, if you hear that from a fellow brother or sister in the church, and that makes you love them less, you need to check your own spiritual condition. We're seeing this because the very mark, the very character, the very quality of love, the Christian kind of love, is that it what is constant. It will not give up. It keeps pursuing. It stays fervent. Right? 
That's the mark that is carried by this. Love your brothers and sisters in the church. That's the power that comes here. Vehemently, constantly, let nothing deter you from pursuing that goal. That is the power of what they say. They don't say Peter, James, Paul, or any of the others that do that because we have same interests. Do that because we have same social standards. Do that because we, we, we just enjoy hanging out together. They say love one another simply because you come from that same spiritual womb where the Lord Almighty, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has given birth to our faith and our love. That's the strength here, friends, when we see all of that. I can turn that into a question. Do you see that? Do that describe your life? I want to end by saying this, because this is really powerful also. Peter never just says, you know, here's the charge. Here's a command or here's a call to love. He gives us a why. If, if you are a millennial or if you are Gen Z or if you work with millennials or with Gen Zs or, or just read about them, whatever, uh, you know that the why is important. We need to know the why, yes? If we don't know the why, we don't have purpose. We don't want to do this. We need to know the why. And Peter is giving it to us right here. Why Love, because, look here, verse 23, you have been born again. Not a perishable, but an imperishable seed. That's the why. The new birth precedes the love, and the love follows the new birth just like they follow night. And this is where we see the amazing quality and strength and depth of Peter's charge to Love here. He helps us simply understand how it works. There's an instrument, an agent that causes this. And it is what he says here, the living and enduring word of God. But notice how it begins, right? It begins by saying, since you have been purified, since you have purified yourself by the obedience to the truth. And then it comes here, the agent of your love is the enduring and living word of God. Think of it this way. When we put our normal human nature type hearts, loveless as they are, in contact with God's living and enduring word, that word will cleanse and purify and take out all these impurities that hinders love. It will, it will clean out egotism. It, it will purify it and, and, and wash away selfishness. And you will see that it will irrigate your arid soul with the water of love from God. That's where we find this. The, the principle is there. We are born again in order to love. I have to ask myself, actually, 
is this my own spiritual biography? There's a set, certain kind of sequence right here that, that should teach us something, right? Begin discipleship is to hear what God says. Recognize that it is true. That's where it begins, right? Just notice that. The first is the meeting with God's word, and you recognize it is true. And once you say, this is not just a good idea, this is not just some kind of word in an angel book, this is the God's truth, and it is for me too, then that truthful word will lead you to a quest for God that gives you a new birth. And that birth will lead you to obedience. And that obedience will lead you to a cleansing of your soul. And that cleansing of your soul will lead you to love for your brothers and sisters. That's the power of the enduring and the living word of God. A sequence to that spiritual life. It's all connected, friends. We're so good these days. It's just, yeah, we take what we want and we're not that. It's too difficult. And love evaporates. I'm telling you, friends, we're not playing games. You wonder about why the world is the way it is. Lots of that can be explained just from these few verses. Where do you find your strength? How do you understand where love comes from? What gives it the quality and the character that is needed? I want to ask, Lord, would you speak to all of us? And to some in particular, maybe even in living rooms, in cars, wherever they are, and some here, powerfully. Speak to us about love. On this Mother's Day, there's one day that we should dedicate ourselves to express our love and to seek where it's found and to learn how to get to know it. This would be the day. Oh, Lord, I know that there are individuals right now just sense that where this will cut to the soul to the bone give them courage Father strength to seek your face to call on your spirit to ask someone for prayer and for help for understanding if some have that boldness even now maybe some that have been Christian for decades or some that are right on the threshold of becoming one Give them boldness right now. Maybe a mother. Maybe someone who needs to grab the hand of their mother and ask their mother to bring them down. Whatever. Well, I ask you to speak to us. We thank you for your love to us. None of what we say matters. Unless that was the truth behind it all. Amen. Let's stand, friends. You have heard the call. Whether you come now, grab someone's hand, pray in your pew, talk to someone afterwards, call someone on the phone, whatever it is.
Don't just hear this. Say, I heard another thing about love. 